0: What's going on, family. Welcome to another episode of the Traffic Sales and Profit Show. My name is Lamar Tyler, and I'm your host. And if you are a black entrepreneur looking to grow and scale your business or looking for ways to grow and scale your wealth, you're in the right spot. And today I'm excited because I have my real estate mentor um, and TSP Mastermind alum, right? Keto Johnson in the house. Keto, for one welcome. Thank Glad you. to have you here. Glad to be here. Um, and I wanted you to come because when we talk about wealth creation, Real estate is an important piece of that puzzle. Mm -hmm. And we know for Ronnie and and myself and, and, you know, we probably on a path that a lot of entrepreneurs watching will be on Mm -hmm. where they generate money in their business. Mm -hmm. And then they start to look for ways and places to put that money so that they can uh, create wealth, Mm -hmm. pass down wealth, protect wealth. Mm-hmm. lower taxes and so many other benefits of real estate. I'm sure we can talk about today. Absolutely. Um, and you are the perfect person to have that conversation with. So again, thank you for coming in. Thank you. Happy to be here. All right. So now you have extensive experience when it comes to residential, when it comes to commercial, mm-hmm. when it comes to probably wholesale, multi uh, long-term holds, fix and flip, like all of it. Mm-hmm. But where did this actually start at with you? Started, uh well, the beginnings of it, really,
1: you know, as a kid growing up and watching my father, um, watching my father in entrepreneurship. And he, uh, he was a builder and had a general construction company. So that's the, the foundation for me. Um, but right out, of, right out of high school, I began to develop a passion for real estate. And um, I stumbled into, uh, stumbled into a deal. At the time, I was just looking for a place to move in. Um, but it happened to be a fixer-upper. And long story around all of that, but I moved into the property and ended up doing some renovation over the the next six months or so. And then fast forward a year and a half after living there, um, I came across a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad and read that
0: book. And, you know, as I say, the rest is history. And how old were you at this time? I was 20. So 20. So Mm -hmm. found that first property. Yep. Uh, stumbled into a deal, as you say, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you fixed it up. So what happened once you fixed it up? Did you stay in it? Did you move? Did you rent it out? What happened with that first
1: Yeah. Thing? So I fixed it up. I was looking for a place to live, right? At the time I was engaged and prepared to get married. Uh, and so I was looking for a place to move from my parents' house into, you know, to, to start a family in. And uh, came across this property and that needed work, but the work didn't really scare me. Because, again, I grew up around it Mm -hmm. and um, went to get traditional financing for it and found out that I couldn't qualify for traditional financing because it was in such disrepair. So I ended up negotiating, you know, what I now know is is a lease purchase, um, but I negotiated with the seller to give me six months to renovate it. And once I renovated it, then I would get the loan on it. and, and, And that's what we did. Six month lease purchase, bought the house, lived there another year, year and a half. Read the book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, and then after that, um, you know, just begin to
0: duplicate myself over the over the next well next 24 years. <laughs> <laughs> so let me let me ask you this. Uh, so so you you get that first one, you know, year and a half later, uh, you move, you sell it. A year and a half later,
1: moved. Okay, yeah, moved, and for capital gains reasons I moved, rented it out for two years, and then sold it. Okay. And so, you know, taking advantage of the capital gain law so that I could walk away with profits tax free. Uh, so that you, became Could you explain path- and could
0: you explain that too in case somebody's listening may not know what you're talking
1: about? Yeah. So um, the capital gain law says once you once you buy a property, if you live in it as your primary residence, when you prepare to move from that place, um, when you sell it, you could potentially take the profits tax free. Um You had to have lived in it as your primary residence for two of the previous five years. Okay. Right. And so my pattern was uh, to live in a property and I'd live there for a couple of years, renovate it while I'm there, increase the value. I'd then move out and then rent it out for another couple of years. And then I'd list it and sell it and take the the cash uh, tax-free.
0: Okay. And then invest that into something else. And then invest it and
1: then roll that into the next property. So okay. at 44 years old, I, I just moved my to my 11th primary residence. So you're
0: still doing this? Still doing it. Now I,
1: <laughs> you know, the last three times, including this time, I say, I'm done. You know, I'm not moving anymore. All right, so we'll we'll see what happens. But
0: yeah, it's been 11 times over the last 24 years. It sounds like it's a way of life at this point. So. It, it is. <laughs> and I, I enjoy it. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> All right, so you do that. So how do we get from that first property to you actually moving uh full-time into real estate because at, at that mm-hmm. time were you did you have another business were you like working a, a regular corporate job like or like mm-hmm. at what point did you say all right like real estate is how i want to spend my life
1: yeah yeah so at that time i was working my father and i had a construction company okay and so he was managing everything exterior out in the field we specialized in you know, concrete curbs and gutters, slabs, that kind of thing, and did a lot of work for uh, municipalities around Metro Atlanta. So I was running the office and did that for quite a few years. And this is probably a conversation for another show. Um, But I learned a lot through the mistakes that that my father made. And uh, long story short, we ended up losing that company or just closing the doors to the company. And that's when I pivoted into where my other passion lied. And that was in, you know, in real estate and and,
0: and working with others. And how how did that look for you in the beginning? Because you are a broker now. Was that, you know, you just doing straight investments? Was that you becoming an agent? Because I see so many people have so many different interests. I think there's one thing that's cool about real estate. Yeah. It's like it's, it's 50 million different entry points of yeah. how people get to where they are. Yeah. And that's a good point to make
1: even now, because a lot of times people hear me talk about investing in the types of um, portfolios that we've been able to build and, and so forth. And the assumption is, oh, I got to get my real estate license to do that, which is absolutely not true. And so for me, I was I was an investor for five, six years before I ever got a real estate license. And the thing that caused me or pushed me to get the license was I've always enjoyed, you know, assisting other people. I've always enjoyed the teaching and helping somebody see a light bulb go off. Right. So at that time, and it's, the landscape is much different now, but at that time, um, you know, 24 years ago, the deals that were done were considered on market. Right. And so they were listed by real estate agents. So I was mentoring and helping other people find deals that were listed with another agent. And after doing that for a few years, I thought, well, I could be the one making the commission (laughs) on the deal. right? So that's what pushed me to get my real estate license and then ultimately my broker's license. But I started as an investor and that's, you know, that the natural ebb and flow, having been an investor first and then becoming an agent and then ultimately a broker and starting a company a brokerage is that you know the majority of our clients are investors or up and coming investors so that's that's always been the the niche of um, of my real estate brokerage
0: all right so uh i know some of your personal story right so I know a lot of people look from the outside and may say, hey, you know, I've seen Keto. I've heard him teach. A, uh, you know, I've heard him on Clubhouse, right? In the in the, the yeah. weekly room he does on Clubhouse. Yeah. And they may say, all right, well, you know, he wouldn't understand what it's like um, when you're just getting into the to real estate or when you're just doing this or he mm-hmm. probably made all this money and it's always been great. But you ran into some problems mm-hmm. when the actual haus- housing market crashed out. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I was uh, 2000, 2005, 2006, I was uh, doing what I felt like was, you know, moving in the right direction, building a portfolio, um, making passive income, you know, everything that Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the book taught me to do. Um, I was, I felt like I was walking in that. And so by the time you fast forward to 2007 and the market starts shifting uh, in 2008, when I got to that point, I had acquired 17 properties and, um, coming out of the crash of 08, uh, lost 15 of those properties, wow. you know? And when I say lost, in some cases, it made sense to call the bank and say, Hey, you can have it. in other cases went to foreclosure. In some cases, we just barely sold them, um, to break even just to get out. But coming out of 2008, I had gone from 17 properties to two. And the two that were remaining was the the home I lived in and the home that I inherited or that my grandfather had given me. And those were the two I refused to lose. And uh, so much, I learned so much through that time, um, which has played a big part in how I make decisions now, investing decisions. But I lost over $2 million worth of uh, assets
0: coming through the crash of 2008. When that happened, what was your mindset? Was it that, okay, once I get through this, I'm gonna get it all back? Was it that I don't want to see no more real estate? Cause yeah. I, I've I've heard people kind of face all those different types of things. Where was your mind at? My mind was kind of vacillating, right?
1: In one moment I'm thinking, I don't I I don't I don't wanna do this again, but what I later realized was it's not that I didn't want to do it, I didn't want to do real estate again. I just didn't want to make those same mistakes again. Okay. right and unfortunately um you know it's, it's a lot of outlets now like you mentioned clubhouse yeah. like youtube you know the list goes on and on and on their mentorship opportunities well then that wasn't available for me right and so a lot of the things that i learned i had to learn the hard way and so coming through 2008 having made those mistakes um I used to look and feel bad for myself, like why why was that? there never anyone around that I could lean on? And then I realized one day um, that I'm supposed to be the person that the next person can lean on. So I had to go through those challenges and make those mistakes so that I can be for the next person what in that time I never had or never felt like I had for myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, we're gonna get into uh you kind of transitioning to say not just getting more properties but also you being a teacher in a second. But mm-hmm. be- before we leave this part, I want to talk about um what happens when you lose those properties. So I know a mm-hmm. lot of people from the outside looking in it may not have been in real estate at that point or maybe they were too young or maybe just not investors at that point. Mm-hmm. They may be listening. They may be thinking like, well how do you lose that? Like technically how do you lose it? Because they're like um i don't want to make the same mistake yeah that others have already done right they've already done that so i don't have to do it yeah. but is it because the places aren't rented is it because mm-hmm. the mortgage is too high is it lever- like what exactly happened in your situation
1: some of all of the above but the number one thing to sum it all up is the fact that i was over leveraged i was over leveraged at that time in the market uh you could buy a house even an investment property with zero dollars out of pocket You know, at that time, it was common to to do uh, what's called an 80-20. You do two loans at one time and you go to the closing table and you got one loan for 80% of the purchase price. And then you got another loan in second position for 20% of the purchase price. And so I did that multiple times over and over. So of the 17 properties, a lot of them I had leveraged well over 90%. Mm. And so now when I teach, you know, I teach investing, the, the sweet spot is, you know, 65, 70%. You don't want to owe more than 65, 70% of the value of the, of the property. So go to the table with some cash out of pocket. And that's what I didn't necessarily do at that point. So I had an 80-20 loan, you know, so by the time it was rented out, even at that point, it's barely cash flowing, if at all, yeah. right, barely cash flowing. And uh, so then the market shifts or the market crashes and, you know, people lose their income. Right. So I was barely cash flowing. Right. So one missed payment from a tenant makes a difference. Right. Um, so that that was that was the biggest thing that I learned then not to do now. And that is I believe in leverage. Leverage allows you to go farther, faster, uh, but make sure
0: that you're not over leveraging your investments. Okay, that's good. I'm so glad you shared with the audience. because I said, no, a lot of people, I find it's a lot of fear around real estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had Julian Gordon on. I'm sure you know Julian. Yes. Right. And uh, we were talking about real estate and he was talking about multifamily. And it was interesting. I told him, like, real estate is one of those things where everybody studies a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Almost, almost like, maybe too much sometimes. Mm-hmm. But until you actually do it. I feel right. like even when I was like, I studied, I read so many books. Yeah. Took courses, set in workshops. Mm-hmm. But you learn more on the first deal right. that I probably did in twenty years of reading and studying materials. So very true. So, so mm-hmm. again, thank you for having this conversation because I'm sure people learn a lot just from listening, and mm-hmm. we want to take action coming out of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, you go through that crash, like like how long does it take you from next? That's like what two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. All right, two thousand eight to when you start acquiring properties again. Uh, I took a break for about three years, um,
1: and then when I Came back into the industry. Uh, my my pivot back into the industry was working more as a broker and helping acquire property um, for some institutional funds that were moving into town and you know buying up rental property here in the metro Atlanta area. So that was my pivot back, working as a broker, analyzing those deals for those investors. And and uh, at that time, the team that I was working on, we were we were selling 150. Two hundred houses a month to this one wow. hedge fund, and uh, so that was my my pivot back into the space, and you know actually acquiring properties again
0: personally was probably around two thousand thirteen. Okay, mm-hmm. it, and was that like a conscious decision, like hey, I'm ready to get back in the game, or did it kind of naturally happen? It just naturally happened. It just naturally
1: happened because even before I started buying again personally, I started again training and equipping other people to do it. Yeah and uh, a lot of the deals that i've that i've been involved in over the the last several years have been deals that individuals that i trained or mentored in some way went and uh, brought back to me for analyzation and we partnered on them in, in some way or another but that's that's really what pushed me back you know i'm training other people how to do it and they're going out finding deals they're bringing them back to me we're analyzing them together and then uh, ultimately, you know, some of the deals just made sense to not pass on. Right. And so as I begin to make those decisions to buy and to acquire, um, just it picked up momentum.
0: Now, I know that when I first met you, you were doing regular meetups, of uh, real estate education. Yeah. Uh, no cost, Just kind of pouring into the community, pouring into the local Atlanta network mm-hmm. of real estate investors. Mm-hmm. of people that were, you know, in the ecosystem around the city right? and and they were coming in, they were connecting. It was great information. So you met a lot of, of both seasoned people and new people. Mm-hmm. What do you think of some of the misconceptions people have when it comes to real estate that kind of may slow them down and stop them from getting involved? One that they have to know it all before they get started. Mm, that's good. And
1: the biggest, the number one challenge by far that I've seen is, and you kind of alluded to it earlier. like there are a lot of avenues through real or with real estate that you can, that you can get involved in. I mean, there's, you know, the list, man, there's, there's tax sales and you can be a builder, you can be a flipper or you can be a wholesaler or, you know, I mean, hundreds of strategies, right? I mentioned the lease purchase strategy where I got started, just so many different strategies. And what I found from hosting those meetings or those trainings is, people would come this week, you know, and they'd say, you know, this is what I'm focused on because mm-hmm. they had just gone to a class talking about that thing. <laughs> so all of a sudden now they're a private money lender, right? Because they <laughs> went to a private money lender convention, right? And then they come back to the meeting next month and, you know, now they're tax, doing tax liens. And every time they come, they tell me something different. And so by far the biggest challenge that i found is people um, in their quest to you know, feel like you need, they need all the information, they just end up confused because one minute they're looking at this strategy and the next minute they're looking at this strategy and they never really stop to ask themselves, which is the strategy that makes the most sense for me where I am in my life right
0: now. So how, how do they determine it? How do they figure out, OK, and I think, you know, I've heard you break it down before and I think you had a great kind of perspective because there's some people that have a lot more time than money. Mm-hmm. They ain't got no money. Yep. I got all the time in the world, right? There's some people that have a lot more money than time. Yep. Like, like how do they kind of look through those lenses and try to figure out like maybe what, what part of real estate they should be looking into? Yeah. So I mentioned there's a whole lot of strategies, but
1: there are really three major strategies that um, or three foundational strategies, I'd okay. say. Right. And from a residential perspective. Right. There's um, there's wholesaling. There's uh, fixing and flipping what we see on HGTV. And then there's being a landlord, buying and holding property. And. Um, And just like there are three main main core strategies, um, you know, I think there are three core components that an individual has to ask themselves. And you mentioned it, like, what does my time look like? How much time do I have? How's my credit? And uh, how much money do I have? Right? Time, money, credit. Those are the three questions that you have to be real with yourself about. And there's really no right or wrong answer to, to that, right? But based on how you answer those questions. How much time do I have? How much money do I have to invest? How's my credit determines which one of the strategies you start with, right? And just because you start with a strategy doesn't mean that's the end goal, but which strategy is my entry into the field of real estate, right? And so that's uh, that's one of the things I talk about a lot. All right.
0: So, so uh, for people listening, In that say, okay, you know, this is good. I've been studying for a long time and I want to get started. What do you tell people like one of the first steps they should take? One of the first steps is surround yourself with other people that are doing it, right? And very simple
1: way to do it, regardless of what city you're in, go to meetup.com and look for somebody or some group, or we call them real estate investors associations. Or if you ever hear somebody say a RIA, right? That's the acronym for Real Estate Investors Association. Find a local RIA and connect with those individuals. Um, you know, a couple hundred bucks a year, whatever the membership fee is, that will be the very first thing that I would tell somebody to do. Because you get to meet other players in, uh, in your area. You get a feel for what the what the strategies that are working currently. So that, that's where I tell people to start. And, and, and you know, Clubhouse, you mentioned Clubhouse. Uh, there are a lot of Clubhouse groups that are talking about, you know, real estate. You can network and find people in your area also uh, on, on an app like Clubhouse.
0: Is, is there a way, once they find people, is there a way that you kind of discern, all right, who's the real deal and who's not? Because I'm sure people come to you all the time and say, hey, yeah. you know, I'm an investor or, you know, i got this deal or I'm trying to do this thing. Yeah. Like, like, what's the lens you kind of look through? to figure out, all right, you know, is this person like a scammer or are they yeah. real? Or maybe, maybe they got the best intentions, but they're inexperienced, yeah. you know, there's different things you have to kind of figure out.
1: Yeah, I mean, simple questions like, uh, you know, if they tell, ask them what their focus strategy is right now. Like, what are you focused on? Do they stumble their way through that answer or can they clearly articulate?
0: Well, they say real know, estate. What what, what about real
1: estate, right? Where in real estate, you know? And if they say real estate, they, they, yeah, they're not not necessarily the one. They may be on the way to being the one, but they're probably not the one right now. What strategy is working for you now, right? What are you focused on right now? That's, that's, that's one question.
0: I love it. I love Mm -hmm. it. And, and, you know, we have a lot of um, entrepreneurs that watch the show. Like, why should they be interested in real estate in Mm -hmm. particular? for the tax benefits,
1: for the tax benefits. There are a lot of entrepreneurs and, you know, I love real estate, right? And I'm passionate about it. Um, It's my chosen vehicle to, to generational wealth and wealth creation. But what I also realize is there are a lot of people who make money outside of real estate, right? But what do you do with the money when you make it? Most of the highly successful people that I know, whether they made their money with real estate or not, they know and ultimately learn the value of using the vehicle of real estate to preserve their wealth and as a way to uh, to build that wealth and ultimately pass on that wealth. And if you do it right, you know, you pass it on with minimal, if any, any, any taxes. Right. So for an entrepreneur who makes their money somewhere else, you need uh in my opinion, you need to buy real estate so that you can offset your taxable income and reduce your tax liability. And real estate is one
0: of the best ways to do that. I love it. You know, you talked about lowering tax liability. Something that keeps coming up on the show is we keep talking so much about how business is math. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I have learned about real estate, real estate is math. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> We might just rename this the math show or something, right? Cause we talk right. a lot of math on here. Mm-hmm. But you know, one of the things I learned from you and others is that, um, like really to know whether a deal is good or not, you gotta be able to break down the numbers. Mm-hmm. And you gotta be able to look so it's it's and even once you look at the numbers, then it's just a starting point to negotiate off of. Right. Cause previously I would look at you know, I might uh, see an opportunity come and might look at it and say, well, just based off the price, oh, that's too much. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, based off of what I saw listed, oh, that's too much, but not realizing that there's always kind of wiggle room within there. Mm -hmm. And it's just a beginning point. Can Can you kind of speak to that or how you view that? Yeah. So with real estate, everything is negotiable, right? And especially the market
1: that we've been in over the last, what, year and a half, two years, is everything is just rising, rising, and values are moving really fast. Um, but the truth is, whatever number you see listed there is just that—it's it's a starting point. It's—it's—it's uh, it's, uh, it's that seller's hope, right? And while over the last, you know, several months they got their hope probably and then some, you know, we'll see how things change and uh, how how things are impacted as the weeks, months, and the next year turns. But the reality is what, whatever number you see there is just that it's a starting point It's what they desire. Um, but you can make an, make an offer anytime. Right. And one of the things too that, you know, I'll just make this point since we're talking about it, um, the whole concept or idea of appraisals, right. Or valuations. A lot of times people look at, you know, Zillow.com and says that this estimate is this, those estimates can be really high you know, and they can be really low. But at the end of the day, the question is, with um, the question of value be- becomes what does, what is your goal or intent for the property? Because one strategy for one property might make sense at one price, whereas a different strategy might make sense at a different price. So kind of going back to what we said initially, right? What is the goal? What's the strategy? And then what, what price point makes sense for that deal? Based on based on what your intended use is,
0: I like that. Let me ask you: at this stage in your career, uh, what kind of deals excite you? Deals that
1: I don't know like the back of my hand. Mm. Um, I love the single family house. It's done it's, it's done wonders for me and my family. The single family house, the duplex, um, you know, the small rental property in the uh, in the urban neighborhood. Uh, but those don't get me excited anymore, right? I want to do much larger deals, uh, development deals, um, spend more time on commercial. Uh, I'd like to do, focus more on some mixed use type pro- projects. And that's that's where my focus and energies are going moving
0: forward. All right, I love it. And uh, last but not least, let me ask you, for the people listening in, um, if you could leave them with one message, kind of get going and, and move forward, what would that be? Uh, get started. Right. Get started. So what does get started mean? Right. For that
1: individual, it could mean uh, it could mean, you know, looking up a meetup group like Aria and and doing that. It could mean, you know, picking a book to help you determine which strategy makes sense for you. Right. But do something as opposed to sitting on the sidelines saying and this you know, my grandfather um, used to always I don't care what the question was. Papa, can we go to Six Flags? Yeah, we'll go one of them days. (laughs) You know, I don't care what the question was. The answer was always one of them or one of these days. Right. And I think a lot of people treat real estate um, or not just real estate, but getting involved in something that they know would make a difference in their life. But because so many other things are going on they look at those other endeavors and say well i'll do it one of them days one mm-hmm. of these days right so get started do something today that will move you closer uh to to uh to, to creating wealth and preserving wealth through real estate
0: and that's good I mean, it seems like like one of those a lot of things to talk about i say like now is the best time yeah because i know it's a lot of people that wish you know two years ago when they thought about it yeah they would have got in two years ago before everything shot up. Right. Or, you know, people say, Hey, you know, back in 2010, I was thinking about it and I mm-hmm. wish I would have got in then when the market had bottomed out. Yeah. So, so kind of like, it's no perfect time. It's just now, right. The time, the time is absolutely
1: now. Yeah. Don't, I, and I've said this before, don't, don't pull back or hold up because of the uncertainty that might be going on in the, in the, uh in the area right now. Right. Just continue to press forward and move forward because the time is always now. So old oh, quote um that I've, heard years ago, like when is the best time to buy real estate, right? And the answer was yesterday, right? Hmm. Well when is the second best time today? And should I be concerned at all
0: about recession?
1: Um, not my opinion is <laughs> that if you are evaluating the deal properly and 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 understanding the importance of not over leveraging, right? Um, I've I've always said, you know, you never want to be in a deal more than 70, 75% well with the uncertainty that we're seeing now you might want to say 65-70%, right? So if 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 you are not buying and um if you're not coming out of pocket with to a point that you are walking away with no cash reserves and that type of thing and you um you're focused on not buying at the top of the market. Mm-hmm. Then I think uh now is not the time to hold back. It's certainly invest, especially in, and too, the market the area that you live in makes a difference too. Um, there are some markets that are just not going to take a major hit, even with the recession. Right. And so you need to know if you're in that market. I think Atlanta is one of them, but you need to know um, what's going on in your market. What makes you think that about Atlanta? Um, because there's still so much industry here. Um, there's still a lot of, you know, people are moving here for, for so many different reasons, from all over the country, um, there is there's already a housing a deficit in housing, right, and that number is growing worse every day, right. More and more people are finding themselves um, without a place to stay, and um, with the major corporations that are still saying, "I want to make Atlanta my home," um, is I just think the market is going to continue to to thrive in some way. Not not only that, but if you just look at the price points in Atlanta, sure the prices are rising, but when you compare it to other major cities around the country, it's still relatively cheap, you know, inexpensive to live in Atlanta. I mean, I mean right close to everything that's going on when you compare it to a price in, in LA or to a price even in some parts of Houston or Dallas or to a price in New York. So I think Atlanta still has a lot going for it.
0: All right. So you heard that here from Keto. He told you if you're thinking about getting started, guess what? Stop thinking about it and actually take action and make it happen. Keto, if they want to connect with you, if they want to learn more about what you do, if they want to work with you, mm-hmm. they want to bring you on on this amazing mixed use development deal that they got. Yeah. And say we want to tap Keto and get them into it. How can they contact you? Where can they find you at online?
1: Uh, you can find me everywhere online at KetoJJohnson.com, K-I-T-O-J-Johnson.com. Keto J. Johnson is my handle on all social media platforms. Uh, it's my handle on Clubhouse. And, uh, and then also I, I wrote a book called Real Estate Wealth and kind of delve into the strategies that we mentioned, the, the top three strategies and, and understanding where you are as it relates to your time, your money, your credit. And uh, you can have that book free if you go to realestatewealthbestseller.com, realestatewealthbestseller.com, and you can grab the book free there. Just pay shipping.
0: All right. There you go. You have it. Make sure you go out and get a copy of the book. Make sure you read. You know, on Traffic, Sales, and Profit, we are a community of readers because we want you to get a hold of the information. But then again, once you get the information, you have to make sure you implement. And then once you do, I want you to go online and tell Keto the episode on Traffic, Sales, and Profit show where you talked about real estate is the piece, the catalyst that I need in order to actually take action and make things happen. How many of you are saying, hey, again, I wish I got in a few years ago. I wish I got in a few years before that. This right now is the time that I don't want you to regret in the future. Make it happen. And you have officially just completed another episode of the Traffic, Sales & Profit Show. We thank you for watching. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Traffic, Sales & Profit Podcast. Don't forget to download and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. Also, visit us at www.TrafficSalesAndProfit.com forward slash podcast. On that page, you'll have all the links to follow us on social, me at Lamar Tyler and the at Traffic Sales and Profit brand, in addition to information on our upcoming events, information on how to get a free copy of my paperback book, and more so that you can be the best entrepreneur possible. Thanks again, and I'll see you on the next episode.